Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. Uh, it's kind of a unique message. We're finishing up one series and starting another all in one lick. And I'll just be honest with you, I'm very excited about our new series um, because over the next few weeks and few months, you're going to get to hear from several of our preachers in the church. And we're going to be preaching through the book of Philippians. So where one preacher leaves off, the other one just gets to pick up right in his spot and run with it. And I'm really excited. God is We've come together and been studying together a little bit, and God's just showing us some really awesome stuff from His Word. Uh, but on the, the prayer series, I, I hope you've enjoyed talking and learning about prayer. I hope that somewhere along the way you begin to change a little bit. Because um, I've learned that the more I pray, not necessarily more things change, but usually the more I change through prayer. So this morning is a perfect segue uh, from prayer <clears throat> going into Philippians, because these first few verses here in Philippians, guess what Paul talks about? Prayer. Couldn't make this stuff up. So we've titled this series, Joy for the Journey, because Philippians was written, just to give you a little background, near the end of Paul's journey on earth. It's one of several prison epistles or prison letters that Paul wrote from Rome while he was imprisoned to the churches. And, and, and this, this book, this letter, Philippians, teaches us that in spite of hardship, in spite of sitting in a prison, in spite of getting old and tired, in spite of our inabilities and even our inadequacies, God always provides joy for the journey. And we can rest assured, as Paul says, he who began a good work in us will see it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but that gets me fired up. So we're going to look this morning at the first 11 verses in Philippians. And Paul shares a really unique insight into his prayer life, specifically his prayers for the Philippian church. I originally wanted to call this message Prayers for God's People. But the more I thought about it, I thought, well, it is for God's people, but it's also prayers of God's people, Paul and Timothy. And so I, we call it prayers for God's people, by God's people, of God's people. And here's just a quick side note because I like history. We think Abraham Lincoln made that up and said it in the Gettysburg Address. And he did say it there. But you know where that phrase, the government of the people, for the people, and by the people came from? It came almost 500 years before Abraham Lincoln said it. It was written in the prologue to his translation of the Bible. John Wycliffe wrote this. He said, this Bible is for the government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Man, we need to get back to that, don't we? Anyway, <laughs> anyway, this opening passage of Philippians covers the prayers of God's people, for God's people, the church, and by God's people. Turn, if you would, to first Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Also, we'll have it on the screen. And I want to go through these verses, and I'll just give you a little sneak peek 
When I get done preaching, which I'm not going to preach that long, we got a really special, special testimony for you. And I'm so excited I can't understand it. You're going to come up out of your seats. God has been so good to us. That's why I love singing those words, because he is good. Let's read through these verses here in Philippians. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. You know, usually Paul included somebody when he wrote. Here we see Paul and Timothy, this unique relationship. I think everybody, regardless of where you're at in your life, you need a Paul and you need a Timothy. Somebody that's investing in you and somebody that you're investing in. He says, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons. So again, here he's writing to the the whole church, everybody in the, the church at Philippi. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. I think we need to be thankful for our brothers and sisters in Christ, don't we? Man. He says, in all my prayers, for all of you, I always, always, always pray with joy. I wish I could say that I always pray with joy. I'll I'll be honest, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I pray with a little... I was praying with a little bit of anger yesterday. I mashed my thumb with a hammer. But that, 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 that was okay. It was when I stabbed myself with a screwdriver a couple minutes later is when I really, really had to do some, some praying. And it wasn't joyful. But our joy as a Christian, our joy should transcend all difficulties and, and all trouble. It should uh, never falter and never fail. And Paul tells us why. He says, because of your partnership in the gospel... From the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but for me, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get a little bit disheartened. The devil tries to get us down. He tries to rob us from our joy. But Paul says if God started something in you, he's going to finish it. God doesn't just make mistakes. If God brings you to a certain point, He's not going to leave you out there hanging. He's going to see it through to completion. He says, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. By the way, Paul is in chains as he writes this letter, but still, somehow, he's still spreading the gospel and caring for God's church. He says in verse 8, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. We realize from these opening statements that Paul has a really unique and a special love for the church at Philippi. I think this church was actually doing some things right. It's a little different than some of Paul's other letters like Galatians and Corinthians, even Romans. There's not a lot of theology. There's not a lot of y'all really messing this up kind of stuff, not a lot of admonishment. It's just a love letter from this missionary to this church. In verse 9, here it is. And this is my prayer, that God would get me out of this prison, that God would just comfort me in all of my little problems that I have and make me feel better that God would make you feel bad because you ain't come and visited me so much in this prison he don't say any of that does he look what he says this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more 
in the knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray right quick. Father, we thank you for your word. And God, as we look at it, I pray that it would begin to pierce our hearts and change us, God, from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Now notice very quickly how Paul prayed. I want to show you five things that Paul's prayer teaches us that we should pray for. And the first is that we should pray to love more. You realize love is the key to the Christian life, right? If we got to get one thing right, we've got to love. If we don't love, we can do all these wonderful things, but if we don't love, then we've missed the mark. Paul says, I pray that your love may abound more and more. I would say if you have a hard time loving people, you've probably not truly experienced God's love in your life. Because when God, you experience his love in your life, man, it changes you. And you can't help but to love God and love people more. And also, Paul mentions the love of knowledge. We should pray that we would know more. I'll admit, I'm going to try to teach you everything I can about God, but you can't know everything about God. We can spend our entire lives trying, and we should, but God is so much greater than we could ever try and figure out, to be honest with you. The more that you know about Him, the more you realize that you don't know, but you want to know more. It's kind of like a, a treasure hunt. You begin to study the Bible, and these little nuggets jump out at you, and, and it just it blows your mind. You just fall deeper and deeper in love with God the more you learn about Him. And that begins to change your perspective. The third thing, Paul says that we need to pray that we could see what matters more. He say, as he says, have discernment about what is best. Do you realize that there's things in life that we get upset about that don't matter? Am I the only one that does that? <laughs> Most of the stuff that we get so tore up about in the grand scheme of things doesn't matter one, one bit. Paul is sitting in prison. He's old. He's been beat up his whole life, but none of that matters in this moment. What matters to Paul is that Christ is being made known, that the gospel is spreading and the church is doing well. Paul's going to tell us a little bit more about that in the chapters and verses to come. But somebody, I think we need that lesson in our lives. Because we often get too focused on the wrong things. Somebody said, don't sweat the small stuff. And then they said, it's all small stuff. Takes us to the fourth thing. Paul says we need to pray that we could sin no more. He says, be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Do you know it's hard to keep sinning when you're praying to God? When you're trying to sin and... and I mean, we do. We're human. And you start praying to God, it's hard to continue in that sin if you're actually talking to the Lord, isn't it? I think God will help us in those situations if we honestly come before Him and ask Him for His help. When temptations come up, I, I encourage you, just start praying. Say, God, help me. God, take, take this from me. Deliver me from this. Help me fight this. Give me the courage to stand against this. Give me the strength. And see what God does. The fifth thing, final thing. Paul says we need to pray that we could be filled more. Is that what we really want in life? To be filled, to be complete, to be whole, to be satisfied? Uh, Paul says to be filled with the fruit 
of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus. Jesus is the only thing that's ever going to fill us and satisfy us. Everything and everyone else in life will leave us wanting more except for Jesus. Jesus will fill the void that's in our lives. Now, I don't think we should just pray these things, these five things for everybody else, for the whole church. What if we prayed those things for ourselves? What if this, and try this this week. Here's, here's my, my message to you about praying. Try this. Pray, as Paul teaches, God help me to love more. Help me to love you more, God. Help me to love others more. Help me to love myself more. Help me, God, to know more, to study your word more, to want to know you more and know you deeper. Help me, God. Oh, man, we need this one. Help me, God, to see what matters most and forget about the stuff that really don't matter that I spend so much time and energy on. Help me see what matters to your heart. What about this one? Help me, God, to sin no more. <laughs> Help me to finally confront my temptations and deal with them. Give me strength, God, to face them and fight them. And the last one, help me, Lord, to be filled with Jesus. Forgive me, God, for throwing him off the throne of my life and trying to replace him with everything else. Help me be satisfied in you. And that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Now, this is, we're going to shift gears a little bit. This is how we conclude our series on prayer. I love those five things, and I encourage you to start praying that way this week. But what about those really big things in life that come up, and it just tears us up? It matters to us. We, just, we can't say it don't matter because maybe it hurts. Maybe it's destroying our lives. Maybe it's hurting someone. What, what about when somebody needs healed? What about when there's a financial crisis? What about when there's a mountain of debt that we need to pay off so we can do something different and accommodate all these people? Do we pray for those big things? Should we pray for those big things? Does God answer those big, sometimes even selfish prayers? Well, let's see what the, what the Bible says. That's a good place to start, isn't it? Here's just a few examples. The Bible's full of examples like this, and I picked out some of my favorites. I want to share these with you. Examples when God's people prayed big prayers and God did big things. Take a look, for example, first one, 1 Samuel chapter 1. A godly lady named Hannah. Maybe you know this story. Hannah wanted so much to have a child and she just could not conceive. She was barren. She was childless. And Hannah goes to God in prayer. She prayed for a child. And notice what 1 Samuel says. It says, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will hoard him to myself. I'll protect him. won't let ever let anything happen to him. I'll, I'll spoil him and ruin him. No, she didn't say any of that. She said, then I'll give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. And what did God do? God gave her a son named Samuel who would become a great prophet that would anoint the first king of Israel, King Saul, and anoint the second king of Israel, King David. 
the greatest king ever on the face of the earth, in my opinion. Acts chapter 12, Peter, the apostle, gets in some trouble. Imagine that. He goes to jail. And verse 5 says, so Peter was kept in prison, but what happened? The church was earnestly praying to God for him. And you know what God did? God heard that church's prayers. God sent an angel into the jailhouse, went to Peter, and led Peter out of the prison and back to the church. 2 Kings 19, the city of Jerusalem is under siege. King Hezekiah is probably scared out of his mind, and he prays to God. He says, Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. And what did God do? That very night God came and he, he killed 185,000 Assyrians and they immediately withdrew their army from the city. 2 Kings 20, again, Hezekiah, the prophet Isaiah, God tells Isaiah, go to the king and tell him that he's about to die. Isaiah shares this news. It just breaks Hezekiah's heart. Hezekiah don't want to die. I mean, who really wants to die? So Hezekiah is upset, and he prays again. He says, Remember, Lord, how I've walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And not only did God hear his prayer, God said, I'm going to heal you. Hezekiah, I'm going to give you 15 more years to live and deliver you and this city from the hand of the Assyrians. Man, God is good. One more. I love this one. Man, this is awesome. 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha the prophet. Elisha kind of knew some things that were going on. He, he knew that the uh, king of Aram, he, he kind of knew his plans before he even acted them out. He was just so in tune with God. And he's making it pretty hard on this king. And the king of Aram finally figured this out. He sent an army to find Elisha, capture him. That way he could finally, hopefully, defeat the nation of Israel. And Elisha's servant wakes up one morning and he looks out and he sees, sees this army just surrounding him. And he's kind of freaking out a little bit, to be honest with you. And Elisha, in verse 16, says, Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, this servant couldn't see this army gathered around him. He just thought it was him and Elisha up against this entire army that the king of Aram had sent. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. <laughs> wow. And then he says, As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike this army. With blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Who thinks to pray for God to strike an army with blindness? Elisha prayed it, and here's what happened. Elisha goes outside. They're all blind. He says, hey, boys, you're, all, you're in the wrong city. Follow me. I'll take you to the right place. He leads them back to the king of Israel, delivers the, key, the army of Aram to the king of Israel. The whole war is over. Incredible. So what about today? I believe that our God is in the business of answering big prayers just like this. All these people we talked about, Hezekiah, Elisha, Hannah, they were men and women just like me and you. They got up in the morning and put their pants on just like we do. I think they wore skirts, but, you know, same principle. The Bible is full of stories 
of God answering big prayers on the behalf of his people. But, but what about today? What about 2,000, 3,000 years later in 2018? Does God still answer big prayers? I've asked some people to come and help me illustrate this point to you this morning. If y'all would, go ahead and make your way over. I want to show you some big prayers that God has answered. Hold them up, guys. Let me ask the same question again. Does God still answer big prayers? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you all. Thank you. God, whatever you can think up to pray, God has an answer for it. God that answered all of these prayers... Healing, deliverance, <laughs> a church. The same God that parted the waters and calmed the storms and delivered Daniel from the mouths of the lions, that God can answer whatever it is that you're praying for him today for. And I don't know what it is this morning that you need. Maybe you're praying for healing. Or for the healing of somebody else. Maybe you're praying for that deliverance, that freedom. Maybe you're praying for the money to come in. Maybe you're praying for the ability to forgive somebody or to let some things go. You're praying for God's mercy and God's grace. This morning I want to just tell you that maybe it's time that you come and just fully trust in the Lord. And, and, and I want you to just understand, God, if, you, if it's not been made clear to this point, hear me once again, God hears our prayers. And He will answer them. And a lot of times, He will answer them in incredible ways. God, Greg prayed for one more minute that God would just give him one more minute. And here He is. Only God can do that kind of thing. So this week, here's my pastoral advice. What should you pray for? First, pray those five things we talked about today. That you could love more, you could know more, you could uh, see what matters more, you could sin no more, and you could be filled more. Pray that for yourself this week. Also, pray for the lost people in your life. And I'm not just saying, say, God, save the lost. No. Think of that one or maybe two people that you know that are close to you that need Jesus. Call their name out to God. Say, God, I want you to save so-and-so. I want you to soften their heart. Tear down those walls. God, use me to get to them. Use somebody else to say the right words or whatever the case may be. Pray for the lost. Pray for our church. Pray, obviously, for our debt and, and the, the growth pains that we're experiencing right now. Pray for the future of our church. Pray for the leaders of our church. Pray for the gospel mission. That as we take the gospel in our community, that it would find good soil. As other sisters and brothers in Christ take the gospel around the globe, that it would reach ears that are willing to hear it and receive it. And also pray for yourself. This is hard to do for some of us, but take the time to pray for you. 
pray that God would strengthen you, that He would forgive you, that He would grow you, that He would use you. Maybe today you simply need to come and ask God just to come into your life, to give you a fresh start, just to show you what His will and His plan is for you, to, to forgive you for all of your sins. Whatever the case is, I want you to stand with us this morning as we prepare to close. And if you just need to come to this altar and pray, as we sing, I want to invite you to come. If you want somebody to pray with you, myself or some of these others will be more than glad to pray with you for whatever it is you're praying for. Won't you come as we sing this morning? Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.